RCLA Nation version 2.0. I am Dan. This is episode 198. Some of us aren't here. Some of us are back east, as it were. Turds. Yes. Bitches. They suck. But most importantly, Nick and Jesse are here. Screw Justin. For real. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's the way to look at it. Screw (laughs) you. Justin's over at. Uh, little town uh, Muncie, Indiana. You guys heard of that place? Yeah, I've been there yeah, once. A little bit of a... Been there once. I don't think anything good happens yeah, there. It's, yeah. it's like a gathering of nerds, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Nerd convention. Nerd convention. <laughs> Urcha, is, I'm sure it is over on the speed cup end. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys all geeking out over data. Let me see your data. Can I see your data sheets? Yeah. I'll oh, show you. Goodness, I'll look show at you my data. Graph. You I'll show you my data if you show me your data. <laughs> my transmitter can take more data than yours. <laughs> Slinging it all around. I'll, sh- I'll show you. I'll show you mine right here, right now. <laughs> yeah. I don't even need a computer. I'll show yeah. it to you right now. I don't care who's watching. <laughs> I'll show you my memory stick. <laughs> <laughs> So Justin's at Urcha. You may have made that connection already. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's just, I guess, over there doing what heli guys do in August. Except for us. As of this exact moment, I believe he is probably uh, wrapping up the swarm party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So hopefully his belly is full of... Rum balls, pineapple. Some kind of balls, anyway. <laughs> that was inappropriate. <laughs> I thought that, it was, it was too far. I thought it was right on cue, man. It's like, <laughs> you open that door Rum and I walk through it. <laughs> pineapple. What else? Some chick- <laughs> we had some chicken wings. La- chicken oh, legs. Chicken wings, wings, Chicken wings? And the corn yeah. dogs. Oh, man. Yes, we did. The corn dogs. Yes. Were delicious. <laughs> yes. Never had a corn dog that good. Yeah. Interesting. Somehow. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, and we're we're here, hmm. which is pretty awesome. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> hey, I mean, it's great. Yeah, woo! <laughs> Party in the house. Did, uh, anybody do anything fun this week? I did. What'd you do? Uh, well, I went to work, but that was certainly not, That's fun. not fun. I have now. That was not fun. I have now figured out that the way it the way it kind of rolls. Is all of the people that don't get that apply but don't make it to Walmart, <laughs> those are the people that I work with. 
Your like work got, hires them. You got the Walmart rejects? Is that what you're saying? We we search those out as a like a go to. Like, that's like our yeah, that's like our work source. I mean, it's like okay, so the, we need another guy. Let's call up Walmart. Hits delete. And yeah. your inbox goes one new message. That's right. Yeah, it is absolutely amazing. So that has made this week challenging. Uh, you know, and I think we can all relate that when you have a bad week at work, man, it's just hard. You know, it's hard to get in the, like, to get in the heli groove. For for yeah, me, anyway, it takes my, yeah, you know, I normally it's try tough. to fly at lunch, and it, you know, you go to sit down at lunch, and it's like, huh, I'm not quite sure if I want to go fly or just slam my toolbox lid on my head. I, I mean, it's, uh, it's curl up in the fetal horrible. position and lie on the yeah, floor. Yeah, just sleep. Maybe if I, and mine's actually big enough, I could lay in the top of it and shut the lid and people would think I went home and I could stay punched on and it's a, I'm working on the details, but yeah it was one of those weeks it worked but i did get out and fly uh and it felt it felt really good it's always hard it seems like as of late it's been hard to get me motivated to want to do it but then once i get out there it's like oh yeah man this feels nice so as i mentioned last week uh still cranking out some flights on the travel and kind of that you know i go through phases where it's like two blade three blade two blade three blade but um, I'm trying some new dampers from SAB. I'm I'm not a hundred percent. I don't want to say I'm positive that they're going to release them, but so far I hope that they do because the set that I got I, re- I really like. Um, so maybe be looking out for that, and I'll let you guys know. Um, so are, are you? Uh, so are you liking them good? Like the three bladed head, good enough to where maybe a second three bladed head is gonna show up in the fleet i you know i don't think so i don't and it's not because i don't it's not because i don't like it enough Mm -hmm. there are just things that are inevitable that come along with it i mean period end story these things are your flight time is lower period Mm -hmm. i'm sorry it's gonna be lower um because the overall head is not as efficient it flies better in my opinion but there are, it's it's a trade-off i mean you're gonna get uh flight time i do notice now not so much with the new the cnc main gear that one's not that big of a deal so like that's the one that comes in the kse edition so that i wouldn't worry about uh batteries no question it's harder on packs mm-hmm. um they're just oh, I just mean, all the electronics yeah exactly and i don't feel as comfortable like i don't quite feel as comfortable with a 120 on there even for me uh, i do still i've got a one a scorpion 130 on one and a castle 120 both of them have fans i've overtemped both without the fans <laughs> mm-hmm. so that kind of tells me that you know i'm pushing them i'm definitely running mm-hmm. up to the limit so Again, you're kind of committing yourself to where really for the long run, I should have a 160 on one. And it is, uh, it's it's a different feeling. It it doesn't quite auto as good. Uh, I still, 
I'm comfortable. I can do them, but I feel that I have more. Uh, I have more room for error with the two blade. It's a, it's a little, yeah, it's just, it's more forgiving during autos. You got to be a little more spot on with the three blade. But, uh, so that's why. I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, what, should I drive my red race car or my blue one? It's <laughs> They're bo- they're both fun. They're, bo- they're fun for different reasons. And so I think I'm going to kind of like permanently stay with... Split? Uh, yeah, yeah, with one. If anything... Like, you know, what might be an option is to get, like, a KSC edition and keep that one, uh, obviously, a three-blade, and then mm-hmm. use the one in the middle to kind of bounce back and forth. Because I do really enjoy being able to put a, a new component, like if I'm going to try something out, to put it on one heli and set it up the same as another one. Because then I can fly them back to back. Yep. Because, they, I mean, when they're two-blade... I'm running the same, uh, you know, BK servos in both, you know, V-bar on both. They're tuned very, very, very close to identical. So it, it gives a good opportunity to actually, to really feel, oh, wow, okay, yeah, this is a, I can see the difference now. So it's a good testing platform that way. Yeah. But. Yeah, and st- I mean, still, you just don't want to drive one in, period. I'm sorry, but it's so many blades, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so there is there is that in the back of the mind. Um, but I don't know. I say that, and then once you... I fly the three-blade significantly harder. Way harder. Uh, because it's just... It pulls through maneuvers on the cyclic that's just crazy, and and I feel like I can, feel like I want to beat on it more, which is kind of scary. Because <laughs> you, it, it's all well and good till you get down a little bit too low. But yeah, so just banging out some flights on that. We are still at home, in the midst of our large remodel, currently without a bathroom, which is pretty cool. I almost. Got up and whizzed on the floor this morning, which was which was great. <laughs> walked in, walked into the bathroom, opened the door, uh, took a step around to the right, started to started to pull the drawers down. And I was like, "Hey, oh, no toilet on the floor." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, I'm not the best in the morning without my coffee. I'm, I'm not at my peak performance level oh that's right yes so uh (laughs) yeah that's kind of a challenge but um is what it is how much longer probably three weeks you might guess yep yeah then like done done i think so inside trimmed out the whole works i think so that's that is the plan probably you know Say three, probably five. <laughs> three to five. Usually how <laughs> three to five. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know. Oh well. Yeah. But yeah, the fun. trailer's coming along good. I think I'm actually at the point where um, I stopped for a little bit on the big one. I moved back over to get the small one all ready for Dan. So I got it cleaned, and wow, I'm nasty. Let me tell you, that was. Uh, when you take all the stuff out of it, you really realize how dirty it was inside. So yeah, that's been kind of chipping away at that this week, getting it ready. 
And then I'll probably jump back over to the big one right before Snohomish to see if I can't get it done. It's still kind of up in the air. I mean, it's, I don't know. We're Coming not up. that far away. Yeah. I know we are not that far away. And yeah. I've, I just don't know if I'm going to have the time, but going to try. I think that's it. We say it all the time. We are the 99%. I have Alan with me to tell me about his experiences with the Soko Heli tool. Well, Dan, I am the 99%, but the Soko Heli tool has redefined the way that I set up helicopters. I've owned the Soko Heli tool for almost six months now, and I've used it on every helicopter that I have. I love it because you can pair it with the app. You can set your swash plate up level every time without using a swash leveling tool. The blades are already tracked before you make your first flight. All you're concentrating on is fly barless tuning because you've done it right and it is exceptionally easy with the Soko Heli tool. Thanks, Alan. Well, there you have it, folks. Straight from the horse's mouth, the heart and soul of the hobby. So if you're looking to find out more about the Soko Heli tool, you can go to www.soko-heli-tools.com. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty decent week. Kind of it doesn't sound like my coworkers are quite as bad as Nick, but I've been working some. <laughs> I don't think we got the McDonald's staff on hand, but. Would you like some fries with that? <laughs> but Dang, I haven't. Done. It's, it's more been just a ton of hours, so definitely a long week at work. I do, unfortunately, still have to take a no fly. Oh, Wow. Dude. Do you I even know. fly? Dude, do you fly? Do you even know what an RC helicopter is? Well, how many blades are on those things? Depends. Depends. Yes, yeah. Nick, there's three. If you ask me, there's two. Oh, that's true. That's true. Do I cool into plug the, the, the red wire to the red wire, the black one to the black one, and then it beeps. That's all I remember. Yeah. It does do that. No, it was. It does do that. Uh, but I have been wrenching on some helis, and not constructive wrenching, some destructive wrenching, as in, Tearing helicopters apart. Get them sold yet? No, I haven't got them sold yet. In fact, I've been so unmotivated to sell. So, so I went through this kind of phase like a couple weeks ago, and I just put freaking everything up for sale. In fact, Kayla was joking with my mom that my mom would need to buy her if if I somehow listed Kayla up for sale because <laughs> we were. I was just going through like drawers just throughout the whole house, heli stuff, and all the above, just putting it up for sale. I was motivated. So now this last week, you know, I started tearing the Kronos down because I basically want to transplant all the electronics. I don't really see a need to upgrade. You know, I have the Castle 120, BK servos, V-Bar Neo on there. Um, not not a whole you know, Scorpio motor. So I'm probably not going to upgrade any electronics. So basically just want to take everything out and transplant it into a new airframe. And so I did go back through. And started tearing everything down, getting it kind of cleaned up. And I think that's one of the worst parts about selling a helicopter is I know when I buy a helicopter, I really want it to be, I mean, you want to feel like you're getting a helicopter that was well-maintained, like I took care of it, um, and you don't want it to be filthy dirty when you get it. So yes. whenever I sell something, I really try to take the time to go through every little part of that helicopter and get it all cleaned up um, just so that whoever gets it next is going to feel like, you know, they're getting a heli that was well taken care of. And 
that really sucks. It takes a long time <laughs> to go through and clean a freaking helicopter. <laughs> well, it's funny because when you put it uh, like for me, I'm you know I'm flying it right. I fly it right up to the point where I sell it, mm-hmm. and then you're thinking, all right, yeah, I'll, you know, okay, yeah, perfect. You take your pictures, and then you go to tear it down and ship it out, and then you find stuff that. Like, it's not acceptable to you that like, you probably ooh. wouldn't. Yeah, like, ooh. And they may, you know, maybe you even did know about it, but now you're guilty because you're selling it. Yeah. You didn't yeah. really want to fix it. And or you just didn't even have a clue. And I swear, I always end up shipping the helicopter out to someone <laughs> yeah. and then sending them another email with a tracking number for like, for like a lower heli order or something. 50 <laughs> bucks like, worth of parts going, yeah, you're going to need these. Exactly. Yeah, you're going to need these. Go ahead and swap don't these ask. out. Sorry. Well, yeah, I and it's, it's one of those things like you don't put, uh, you, you just fix it. You don't put that stuff in the listing. No one wants to buy a helicopter with busted parts. Just, yeah. It's not going to sell well you're, or you're going to just lose a ton of money because someone's basically thinking they're buying it for parts as soon as you start listing issues with it. And so, yeah, you basically just, just fix it in that case. I just make sure. Um, it's like, yeah, never crash. Never crash. Two gallons of fuel. <laughs> yeah, never crash. Two never gallons. Crash. You always got to throw that in there. Yeah. Two flown, gallons through it, but a gallon on the rebuild. Gently. Yeah. Flown gently. Yeah. I was a very gentle flyer to my helicopters. <laughs> didn't didn't overstress anything. But two, now, so two I need gallons to, is the magic number, by the way, for nitro. When you're trying to if sell it. If it has less than two gallons, yeah. the motor is yeah. good to go. Yeah. That's only like 15 flights, dude. <laughs> basically, I hovered it a couple times. Now, so I'm just going to basically cl- keep uh, cleaning through the weekend and hopefully have those things up for sale on, I would imagine by the end of the weekend, those those things will be up. Now, the warp, on the other hand, that one's just getting a cleaning. I, you know, I know I talk so highly about that class. And I still really, really enjoy flying that class, flying the warp. There was a lot of times where it was extremely convenient to just grab it, run over to my grandparents' house and do some flights in their smaller field. But now that I'm kind of, I don't know, getting more focused in or shrinking down the fleet a little bit, and obviously when you have to decide between 700 or the 360 class, kind of what I'm thinking about doing is trying to sell the, the Kronos airframe and the warp and then basically being able to pick whatever airframe I want to dump all my stuff in without being probably anything out of pocket. Um, and so the warp's just getting a cleaning. I don't think I'm pulling any electronics off or out of that one. Um, so that one will be a little bit easier to pop up for sale. Now this brings me over to the buying category because now that I'm tearing this stuff down, got to replace it with something. And you know what's freaking killing me? Urcha. You know what no one yeah, does no during Urcha? No one Urcha? has shops open during They don't ship anything during Urcha. Yeah, they're all gone. <laughs> so you nope. know what I can't get is a new freaking helicopter. <laughs> Unless I uh, was at Urcha. It forced, which sucks because that's like twofold. If you were at Urcha, you could probably get it cheaper and you could have it in your hands. Well, and, and what I didn't realize was it was like, you know, because I was planning on having something placed by the end of last weekend. That's what I had said. But I started looking around Friday and Saturday, and places are already closed. It's like, nope, whole week, gone. 
Yeah. So even if I would have ordered something Sunday, it still isn't going to ship till after they get back from Urcha. So right now that, you know, I'm going to keep looking because there's not a huge rush. Most people don't seem to open back up and start shipping till Tuesday, Wednesday, um, next week or a couple days after this show comes out. And then you really start looking at the calendar. And like you mentioned, Nick, Snohomish. That starts creeping right up on Snohomish. And there's no way oh, I'm going yeah. there without a 700-class electric helicopter flying. So the way I look at it is I'll get the order placed. Hopefully it ships out like next Wednesday or Thursday when they get back from Urcha. I would put it in my hands the following... I'll probably bump the shipping up probably Tuesday the following week. Monday, Tuesday the following week, which would give me approximately one to two nights to build before Snohomish. <laughs> and Maiden Perfect. the Sucker at Snohomish. Perfect. So, so as of right now, go ahead. Were you were you aware that there is a poll up on Helifreak about what heli you are going to buy and fly? On Helifreak, yes. I am aware. I am going to vote. I've, I've I don't already know voted. which one is winning at the moment. Let's see. Uh, I don't know. I have to vote first. Let's see. I think you're going to buy a JR. JR? No. Nope. Definitely know? in a line. There we go. How did you know? Yeah. I'm the one Let's guy see. that voted for a line. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> so we got a couple goblins. A eh. couple no, galleys. No gobble, gobble? Couple got No, dude. Like I said, I could hardly look at those when they're in the air, man. It's just brutal. God, I love that. Brutal. So, Jesse and I are getting so closer awesome. and closer each week. No goblin. <laughs> no votes for Blade. You know, that 230X just came out. Things really been had my attention. I don't know. Yes. Surprised no one threw that one out there. Now, there's actually pretty good, a pretty good uh, pretty good spread. A couple all the way across the board. All the way down to Airhog. So you're going to tell us? Am I going to tell you? Yeah. It's like the worst kept secret in the, all of the RC heli industry. That is fair. I don't 100% know what I'm getting yet. Yes, you do. I haven't ordered nothing. 95% no. Okay, I'm 95. See, then they're going to have to shut the pole down. Well, that's true. Man. But everybody already knows what it is. Everyone does. Yeah, I'm they do. 99.9% sure that I'll end up with a Synergy E7SE. Nice. It's a nice yep. heli, man. Nice heli. It shares some parts with the N7. I love the N7. Flies great. You know, it's just branching out, trying something new, and that one seems to fit the bill. Um, so... Hopefully, fingers crossed, hopefully, 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 it will ship and be delivered before Snohomish, and I'll have the chance to get that thing together. Even if I only have one night, I'll still make it happen. We'll, we will be flying one at Snohomish. Sweet. Very nice. Other than that, I think that's it. Hmm, I guess that Still leaves did. me, huh? Dan, hmm. what'd you do this last week? Well, it's kind of been a mostly not good week, but partially a little ray of sunshine type week, you know? 
Mm-hmm. So apparently, who's who's Ray? <laughs> who's Ray? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought I introduced you to him. No. Yeah. No. You don't remember. No. Anyway, uh, so apparently, I don't remember doing this, but apparently, last year sometime, when I had my trailer at work, I put a case of nitro in the shop and it got moved and bustled around you know as things changed and things got rearranged and um uh, the other nick said something to me uh because he was looking for some stuff he goes do you know what this stuff is big box of stuff i'm like what the hell it's a bottle of uh, cool power a case of cool power Nice. Yeah, what the hell? That's always a nice surprise. I don't remember putting it in the shop. Obviously, I did. But uh, I must have put it in there thinking I was going to get some flying in and just it got moved or something and I just forgot about it. But anyway, so that was kind of a nice surprise. So that I was out of nitro fuel, right? So that led to uh, some flying on uh, Wednesday. Very short flight. Very... Uh oh. Flight. <laughs> Very short, <laughs> destructive flight. Yeah, I put the uh, 700. Uh, <laughs> nice. <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, I, was, Action. I was playing around with those uh, <clears throat> half pyro flips, a little too low. And for me, that was like 250 feet. <laughs> no, I was lower than that. <clears throat> but I, uh, yeah, I just lost it. And couldn't get it back, and I put it in. But you know, I have pretty much every part uh, on hand. Even I got blades. I got I got everything for that helicopter. Uh, now what I need well, to find forget, is the motivation. Don't forget, you have a you have three quarters of an airframe here. Yeah, and I've got probably three quarters of an airframe here too. <laughs> so together we can make you one, got and, one a half. and a half helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, blade grips, main shaft, blades, boom, you know, I got all that stuff. Blade did grips? It, yeah. Did it go in pirouing? It went in all kinds of different directions. It, you didn't stop pirouing. The <laughs> you one didn't stop pirouing, did you? <laughs> yeah, it just went in and it just kind of went in. You did not pull the Todd Bennett and just let go? I... No, I think nope. you know what I tried to. I, I was like, I'm gonna this. I'm not gonna crash this. I got this. Uh-huh. It all just went. I stirred it in like grandma's brownies. <laughs> <laughs> I actually uh, didn't even get throttle hold in time. But, oh, yeah. that's such a professional. Oh, I was gonna get it, man. I was gonna. Sound. I was like, I wasn't gonna let it win. Was there a nice bog right at the end? Before oh, it, it was hit? bogging for the last it was... five seconds, man. Yeah. <laughs> Wham! Yeah. Stand back. I've got this. <laughs> and then all you hear is me! <laughs> actually, actually that, that quit right away because, of course, after it went in, then I hit throttle. So oh, I was able me. to pull it out of there. It's only the natural reaction. Yeah, exactly. It just kind of shut itself down. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> no, it was um, a little nerve-wracking because it was kind of close to me as well, which is never a fun thing. Uh, but 
So here's the the problem is is now I gotta now I gotta rebuild it, and that's just not been going real well for me for the last year. <laughs> that whole wrenching that whole wrenching part. thing just hasn't been hasn't <laughs> your, been appealing. Your turnaround to me. time is a little slow. A little slow on the turnaround, uh, unless I'm really motivated for some particular. You reason. should. You should make Snohomish next year. I think I'll be ready to go. <laughs> be ready to go Snohomish next year. <laughs> nah, it'll be ready to go. I'll, I should have a couple of helis ready to go by Snohomish. I, uh, I, I just am. It's, it's the first crash I've had in a long time. It was a little nerve wracking, and typically it's because I, I don't. I it was for me. It was pretty close. I would say it was thirty feet away from me. That's pretty goddamn close for me. I don't typically fly. Yeah, that's. That's, That's fairly close. close. Enough period. to pucker you up. Yeah, it was. It may have come a little bit closer during its attempt to recover, but uh, yeah, it was. It was more. It, it, it first crash I've had in a long time. So, I guess I guess it was coming. Had it coming. It's probably dry over there. Yeah. to make a big poof of dirt. Uh, <laughs> kind of. It was just kind of in weeds though. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. Wasn't too bad. Uneventful. Yeah, it was just, here we go. I'm just happy it didn't start a fire. Because, you know, nice dry Montana weather and hot combustion oh, yeah. motors. Mm-hmm. Probably a little well. But neither here nor there. Uh, I still am, oh, man, this sucks. I still haven't, still haven't completely got all the electric flying yet. Fuck, I just got to get some time somewhere to to finish these little projects, especially Snohomish coming up. Got to get them, got to get all these little things done. I got to get, I just got to get the E700 finished with the Vortex, just tuned, just setting it up. And then that's pretty much about it. I just got to find time to do it. Time. It's killing me. Let's see. Did I buy Anything this week? No, but I'm going to start selling some shit. Anybody want some uh, Scorpion Motors? Some Scorpion Motors? Yeah. What Scorpion, Scorpion Motors? Motors? I don't know, black and gold one. Well, for what size? It's a 700 motor. I don't know what it is. I don't I don't, I don't memorize numbers. <laughs> if it were right here, I'd be able to tell you. It's like a 45. That's all he's going to put like in that. the in the description. Just a scorpion black and gold motor. Black and gold motor. <laughs> black. black. Uh, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's the one you told me to get for the blade, I think. 45, 40, 35? Yeah. 45, 25, 520? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, either that or the 45, 26. Yeah. Because you're not going to, oh, that's right. You're not going to fly that one. And uh, I think I might be selling some Icon units. Are you like downsizing everything? I kind of, I kind of think I am. Yeah. Particular reason? Uh, no. Is it too overwhelming? It's just I've got, got two, you... I've got six helis that I'm just not being able to maintain. So I need to focus on a couple. Leave it there. You know, I think back to the best time I had in the hobby and probably the best progression I made in the hobby 
is when I had two Nitro 700s. The exact same machines. Yeah. It was so easy to maintain. I just, I've got, I've just got two, it's like, ugh, too much. I, I, you don't even know where to start yeah, exactly. sometimes. So I got to just, yeah. I'm just thinking I'm going to kind of thin it down, stick with a couple, and uh, quit trying to collect helicopters. But anyway. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You do, I think you need to find a new Nitro. Synergy. Yeah. Yeah. I've been Buy talking about that. Synergy. What's that? Buy a pair of them. Buy a pair of N7s. Pair of N7s. Yeah. There you go. Get right back to where you were, man. Sell six to buy two. I could do well, that. I got. Welcome to the hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I Double really, love. I really like the uh, Forza, and I think I'm going to stick with the E700, and then it's a Nitro of some kind, and I'm. I'm gonna get the the Align fix, but it, it's it's probably is time for for a new nitro. Yeah, just just you know, you know, nineteen ninety called and they want their nitro back. Bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> That's but you... all right though. <laughs> well, you don't have a fly bar on there, do you? Uh, I just took it off the other day, just for you, Jesse. Oh, just took it off. Perfect. No, it's oh, great. I've been flying. <laughs> I haven't had fly bars for a long time, but. I don't know. I think it just feels like that feels like a good move. Get into the new trailer. I'm excited about that. Well, new used trailer. Yeah. The swap, as it were. That's only a few weeks away. Is it going to be ready, Nick? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, that's I'm the little one I'm not worried about. All right. But, yes, I will probably, you know, I'm, huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling like, Justin is all the time, which is always like way behind. Okay, well, I think that about does it for me. Should we? Uh, we got any news this week? Well, you know, wow, I was gonna do the news, but there's I I feel like anything that we say this week is just pointless because we're gonna know so much more next week. Yeah. And everyone is over at Urcha, and when Justin comes back, I know that we're just going to get, like, the real scoop on anything. Anything that was speculation this week, it's going to be like, we're going to know. So I, I didn't even bother, because it just seems like I'd rather save it and do a bigger news thing next week. Hey, Kayla. Would you mind uh, charging up my batteries while I pack up all my helis and other gear so we can head out to the field? I would love to, if I could figure out how to work this charger. It's so confusing. You really need to get yourself a new one. (laughs) You don't have to tell me twice. I know exactly what I'll get. I'm going to head over to revelectrics.com to order myself up a brand new dual PowerLab 8 charger. With the pre-programmable menus and the endless customization, it's extremely fast and easy to charge nearly any battery. Thank God. I was, uh, I, you heard me say wow a minute ago. I'm so used to when I say, what, what do we got for news? And looking up at the timestamp, it took me by surprise because generally it's right about an hour. And now it's, it's like, what? It's like, ah, Justin's not here. 
That explains well, we... it. <laughs> that is... That's where that other half an hour went. <laughs> uh, so what so do we want to do? Let, do me, we, uh... let me make a, a short story long. And uh, no, <laughs> kidding. Oh, jeez. Wow. A short story long. I, I like that. I'm I am so victim. I mean, I'm there's a pot calling the kettle black right there. Yeah. There's the pot calling the heroin hashish right there. Hashish. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably probably don't remember that stuff, Nick. It's way back in the day. Nope. All right, well, what are we gonna what are we gonna do, man? What are we gonna what are we gonna talk about? If we're not gonna do news. Uh, well, if there's no news, I I got something we could talk about this week. All right. What is it? Let's do it. Well, with the whole looking for a new heli thing, you know, it really is quite a process when you really sit down. I don't know about you guys, but periodically I'll sit down when I'm about to buy something. I do tons and tons of research and. Sometimes go as far to make pros and cons lists or lists, you know, lists of things that I must haves, wants, and whatnot. And so you can definitely do something similar with the heli. And that's kind of some things that I've been going through this last week. And, you know, when you really break it down, there is a lot of things to consider when you're buying a new helicopter and making sure that it's going to be the best fit for you. And then it's going to work in your fleet and it's going to fit your budget and you're going to enjoy flying it. And ultimately that you're going to be able to keep it flying and enjoy the heli. So I just want to hit on a couple, I don't know. I think, I think we should talk about what are you, what are your main considerations or what are your high points when you're looking at buying a new helicopter? So one of the first things I got on here is the battery tray. There's so many different systems out there. What do you guys look at when, you know, as as far as a battery tray goes, when you're looking for a new helicopter? What would you change about the one you have, or what would you look at getting if you were to buy a new helicopter? I really don't consider it too much because I don't have a lot of experience with battery trays, but the one thing, and you don't really see it anymore, uh, but after the outrage and the alias... I know you. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't really see side by side packs anymore. I would never buy another one of those. Yeah, no. Th- Where you have to Velcro each one yeah, in individually. Never do that. Uh, yeah, the one, one of the things that I know I really liked about I'll reference to Kronos was it had a battery tray, but it had a battery tray that could be clipped in in multiple positions, so you could adjust CG without sliding the batteries on the tray. Hmm. So, I mean, that that was kind of nice because fly with the canopy on, fly with the canopy off, so, you know, switch it around. Who knows what you're, what you're feeling that day. Yeah, it's a, it's a must for me. Absolute must. I mean, there's no way I'm not going to get a heli with a tray. I'm sorry. We're, we're at the point where every single, I mean, they've, unless it's a, it's a single 6S pack. Now that's different. I mean, that doesn't bother well, me. S- yeah, single battery. Too bad. But you know, even uh, I'll be upfront and honest. I'm, I'm not even particularly a huge fan of the SAB tray. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, because I I'm still using Velcro, you know. Now, like the the 500 and the 570, love it. It, it it's perfect. It's great. It's simple. The quick release on it is simple. Load and unload is great, you know. But the the 700, I've just I don't know with the heat shrink and and the straps. I I still break straps. I'm just not, it's better than nothing. Don't get me wrong. There's no way any front to back heli that has front to back packs has to have a battery tray. So it's way better than nothing. Um, And there are little tricks to make it okay. But there are also some helis out there. Like the blade had a great battery tray. The quick release on that was great. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the frames, you had to lay your batteries out, you know, just perfect on the E700, but the tray system was great on it. Yeah. That's another one that comes to mind. You know, Align has had a great tray for quite a long stinking time. I mean, I almost want to say that they were some of the first to implement it and make it work well. Mm-hmm. So I think that this well, day and age, you have to. And the other thing is, I mean, we cater, I think about our charging setups too. Everything's catered towards a tray. You know, you got the flexible leads that'll reach around and we're all charging. If I yep. think in parallel nowadays, it's it's like everything is, all your support equipment when you're out at the field seems to be catered towards that as well. Um, yeah, which kind of stinks because that, <laughs> that was really nice to be able to have um, to have just the like the parallel boards, mm-hmm. like the ones from Progressive or FMA or whatever, yeah, and, and just have the little you know the connectors like stuck to the board. That yep. was cool. I really dug that. But stick packs, just not, not gonna happen. Well, I they, mean, they take up a lot of room. I mean, that's that's kind of one of the reasons I guess I still like the charging case and the size of charging case that I have. Just because those stick packs, you can fit everything up on the deck. You're not trying to hang cables out of the, you know, out of the charging case or anything. Everything will fit right up on the deck. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I hear you. So that's a must. Yeah, you definitely got to put a check in that box, and that goes in the the must have category. So another one that's been, <laughs> I I still, I mean, it's mostly personal preference i would say there's they're they both work great the belt versus torque tube argument i'm not so sure if this is and we've hit on this before but it doesn't really seem super valid anymore to have a really strong opinion to go one way or the other because i think both systems are getting so stinking good except for beginners Ah. i started on a torque tube i probably would have saved a lot of money that I started with a belt because mm-hmm. of the grass and hitting the tail all the time. Yeah, that's fair. Well, not only the starting with the torque tube, but it I guess it could also depend. You know, in my mind, I automatically jump to a 700. So everything I reference is to a 700 class helicopter for the, for the most part. But if you're talking a 450 or something, that, that may switch things up as well because what if you're normally flying at a field that has longer grass, so... Same sort of thing, beginner or class of heli. I don't understand what you're saying. So, like, 
Well, like if you have a 450, you're a lot more likely to hit the tail blades on the grass every single time you land. Well, if you're if you're a beginner, I mean, you're a lot a lot more likely to hit the tail on the grass no matter what you're flying. Yeah, so I'm saying just consider both. The size and the skill. Yeah, I I'm a man, I used to be a torque tube guy. But I'm feeling kind of spoiled. I I'm not I'm definitely not saying that I wouldn't go torque tube again. Because I think it's got some really some really sweet advantages. But I don't know, man. Sure is nice not buying <laughs> boom and you know, and torque tube. And screwing around trying to get the bearings out and trying to get the, you know, no more. I don't miss gluing on um, support bearings on there, pushing it part way in and having the glue come. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Put a little too much CA. Now that one doesn't spin right. (laughs) Shit. Yeah. Or you get get the torque tube halfway into the boom and it's tight and all of a sudden you push and then the CA breaks, you know, breaks loose. (laughs) It's like, oh, come on. So I... I don't miss that stuff. Um, I also don't, I do not go with the whole attitude of, well, torque tube, you know, it's maintenance free. That's absolutely not true. I wear torque tube gears out in about the same amount of flights that I wear a belt out. And I have done both of those too. So, you know, I'll, I'll do my belts at a couple hundred flights. And I've I've got pictures of torque tube gears that are like almost razor thin. Now, not so much on on some of the better designs. Um, the helical ones definitely last a lot longer. But yeah, I I don't know. I'm a belt guy. The simplicity. Well, I mean, I hate yeah. I hate fishing. I definitely miss just popping the tail off. Real quick with a torque too. Yeah, that is true. From servicing that portion yeah, of the heli, taking your eight screws out of the tail bloom block, and the whole thing comes out, and everything's all kosher. You're not, you know, shining a flashlight down the boom, trying to figure out which way. <laughs> is the it belt. straight? Is it? Is it up? straight? And then inevitably sliding it all on and spinning the head and going, really? Okay, it's backwards, and I guess. Or it, it went around twice, and, and it's grinding and. Yeah, yeah. Sitting there with the, you know, you got your, you got your heels on the ground, your, your feet on the back of the skids, one hands on the tailcase, and you're pulling as hard as you can and trying to tighten down screws. I mean, I do not. That is the worst part about it. I would say for me, I, I miss the simplicity of assembly of the torque tube, but. You know, flight performance-wise, I love the ease of tuning with the belt. It's just flat-out more forgiving on the tune. I mean, stop gains, all that sort of a deal. I believe it it dampens that torque load coming from the motor, and I don't know, I just find it a lot easier to tune. And the biggest thing for me, and this is probably the biggest one, I love the versatility with being able to change gears. It's like, oh, I'm going to go up in main blades. I would like to, you know, if that company has that option. Mm -hmm. But you can change tail ratios in minutes. Yep. 
Absolute myth. And I, that to me is the, my favorite part about it. Definitely an advantage. One thing I can say is, uh, when I, when I was starting, uh, I started on, on a, uh, a torque tube heli. And of course I, I built an affection for torque tube because that's what I was flying. It's familiar with it. Mm-hmm. I remember I did get a way early in the game. I got a compass night. I want to say it was. Yeah. And this was back when, you know, they've changed the design of, of the belt pulleys quite a bit uh, in that a lot of the older belt driven tails had really small pulleys. So you've had a, a real issue with the tension and how perfectly it needed to be set or else you'd get some slipping. Right. Yeah. And that was just my first experience with a belt heli. And I just swear to God, it was just miserable. I mean, it's, I mean, you could hear it. You could, I mean, and I was like, I just, I feel like if I pull it any tighter, I'm going to rip something out of the heli, but obviously it wasn't tight enough. So I just struggled with that. And I really enjoyed the kind of the, what I considered the, you know, the, just put it in and go and not have to worry about it ever with a torque tip. But I think, you know, machines have, the designs are much better these days. I don't think that that particular scenario should be much of an issue for anyone starting out in today's world. But it's why I have an affinity no, for tortoises. Just because where I started. But I, to be honest with you, I, I'm not married to the idea of being a tortube only guy. I, I really don't care if I like a helicopter and it has a belt. Yeah. Then I guess I'll be flying a belt. Yeah, and that's kind yeah. of exactly exactly where I am. Coming from belted heli, the Kronos over to a torque tube in the near future. It's it was one of those things where it wasn't a must have. It was just whatever the whatever the model kind of offers. Because kind of like I mentioned right at first, I think both systems nowadays they they both seem to work really really well. Not a whole lot of negatives with with either one. So. Another thing, though, what about the electronics layout? So what I kind of think of with this one is, you know, you got the direct swash where all the servos are kind of situated right around the main shaft. And then you still got the push-pull system uh, floating around. Is that something you guys really take into consideration anymore? I mean, most of the, it seems like most of the new helis now are all direct drive or, you know, direct to swash, but... Would that actually be, I don't know, a turnoff? Would that cross it off your list if it was a push-pull? No. no nope. Not at all. Nice. Not at all. Reason being, um, I watched uh, a whole lot of links go flying off of my E700 mm-hmm. during tip-overs, crashes, that sort of a thing, and never once did I strip a servo gear in that heli. Yep. Never, not once. And the servos, just they stayed slop-free. Um, yeah. So, I'm no, I'm not opposed to it. I think it's all how it's implemented. If the geometry is done properly, which like on the E700, it, it was. Nick did a great job laying that out. I see no negative to it. It's got a couple perks. I mean, there's, there's just no question that the simplicity of direct to swash is freaking awesome yeah just less part you know? so I mean, what would you say yeah because i hear it a lot and what would you say to somebody that says to you 
well, it just induces more slop. Anytime there's more slop in the in the control surfaces, it's not a good thing. You know, I personally think that that went back to the Align days where you had you were relinking all the time. Yep. I mean, all the time, but now I mean, geez, I, I, you know, I put a lot of flights. I keep going back to the 700 because that's the last one that I had that was push pull. Put a lot of flights on those, and I mean, I was getting four, I would say three, four hundred flights mm-hmm. before I would start getting any slop and then relink. So, uh, you know, and even then, like in in the case of that heli, you'd buy the links and they were pre built up and everything and. It was just so easy. It wasn't any more inconvenient. So now I'm not going to buy the slop thing. I think that was back in the day when when the helis weren't as good, the tolerances weren't as good. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not worried about that. I mean, simplicity rules nowadays, and directs to swash yeah. is so simple. But there is, you know, there's another downfall that I kind of forgot about with direct to swash. Um. Not an issue for me in, in my situation now, but I can remember, you know, flying the, like, flying Minair, well, for that matter, all the other ones, is servo horns. It seems like there is a battle of what servo horns do I run. Yes. Right? <laughs> It's like, okay, well, these are this long, these are this long, but now I need to, I really need to pick a brand of servo horn that I can just buy a bunch of, get them when I need them, and then be consistent. But they got to be strong. That is a whole new battle. And then it's, well, it's a Seacraft, but is it V1 or V2? But look at these. (laughs) These bent in the air. And then I've also been there where I crashed and stripped every single freaking servo gear out in the whole entire helicopter with the blue aluminum align horns. So now, you know, uh, that was a, up until flying SAB stuff, it was a constant battle that I hated. Now, you know, I do believe, not trying to promo them or anything, but I believe that SAB got their their plastic material correct. Like those servo horns, if I started flying anything else tomorrow and flew it forever, sorry, I'm going to fly SAB servo horns on there (laughs) because they just, yeah, they have that, like they're stiff enough to where they don't induce any negative characteristics in flight, but they will strip out in a crash. Um, Other ones that have got that really nailed uh, synergy, the way that mm-hmm. they do it with the with little the round fiber. one and the carp, awesome design. Well, the, great, the thing great about that design. one is it's cheap. Like, you, you know, you strip out the horn. Most of the time the servo doesn't strip because you're using a really cheap, lightweight horn. And those round servo horns are dirt cheap. So you can just keep a well, whole Well, those are the ones that them. no one... Yeah, no one else uses. Yeah. So they've got bags of them so at you, home. Yeah, you find out like, oh, from the... Eight sets of servos I've bought. I have like sixteen of these just laying around doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, so you already got spares for quite a while. Ah, uh, they get it. I hate servo horns. I mean, I just I hate that battle. I'm glad to be done with it, but yeah, yeah. just trying to. Li- I mean, 
then you find one that the material is good and the geometry doesn't there's yeah there's just a whole balance yeah, it rubs with, here yeah. and then the offset i mean hello can can we just make servo horns all with the same offset off the servo <laughs> That that would be great. So you don't hit the Same ball distance. on the servo case. Yeah, and then it's yeah. like you, you get them all bolted in, right? So you got your direct to swash. Uh, you, you put all those freaking screws in. So you got twelve screws holding all your servos in. You get them all tightened down. You put your horns on. You set it up, and your you know your swash angle looks like you're trying to build a freaking teepee or something like that. <laughs> it's so far off. And then you're thinking, oh, dude, really? Now I got to go back and shim the servos. Yeah. And then I got to dig through and find all these little stupid carbon fiber ship. Ah, I do not like uh, that. Yeah. Pet peeve. Sorry for the rant. Oh, justified. Justified. Do you wish there was a fly barless system that could make you throw down like a pro? Well, now there is. The Spartan Vortex fly barless system is offering some of the most advanced features seen on the market today making sure that you'll be flying like a pro in no time. So what are you waiting for? Go and get your Vortex Flybarless system today. Results may vary based on pitch, response time, age, head speed, brand of heli, time of the year, crash budget, number of friends cheering you on, size of helicopter, temperature, wind, servos, weight of heli, willingness to take risks. Contact your favorite hobby shop about getting your Spartan Flybarless system today. For more information, check out www.bkdesignsllc.com. Anything else on electronics? Yeah, I know for me, me personally, it's uh, not a yeah. huge. I mean, I was just for as, as far as the servos go, not a huge. No, e- servos? either either way, but you do have to consider. You know, you got your speed controller, battery placement. What about you know the stick packs versus having them side by side right underneath the main shaft? Um, is that something you take into consideration? ESC placement for me is. You know, because I, I went, the E700 is a tricky one. You know, you can mount it up on the nose. You can mount it on the side. Yep. You mount it up on the nose. It's it's nice and safe, but you got to, you know, put some venting holes. You mount it on the side. It runs really cool, but you will completely, like, disembowel it in a crash. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that is one that I look at. Uh, probably the sole reason that I never went in the direction of the Gowie. I, I mean, you look at those helis and it's just like this tight, compact frame with all this shit hanging off the side of it. <laughs> just freaking uh, Seriously though. Just... And Dan, I know you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Cause the X5 is kind of like that and too. Destroy. I mean, it's just, yeah, you got one you got crash speed on that controller. One. Yeah. Speed controller hanging off of one side. Then you got your, uh, you know, your fly barless system hanging off the other. And, and then where am I going to, my BEC stuck on the side of the frame. It's like everything is on the outside. And I just don't like that because I know I just don't like that. You know, you know what happens when they hit the ground. Yeah, I know what happens. And even if it's, you know, let's say you don't hit it hard enough to break it, but I mean, crashing in the the dirt or the mud, it's it's God, dude. I I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. 
let's hang everything off the outside type look. I like it tucked in. I like it to have its own kind of secure place. Um, it's bad enough that you got you, you break airframe parts in a crash. I despise breaking electronics in a crash. So that's a yep. that's a huge consideration for me. I like everything to have a specific home where the manufacturer says this is exactly where I designed this helicopter to have the speed controller mounted well, and to have the flybarler system. And and you actually know that because they friggin' put holes for zip ties and that's it actually right. makes sense where you're gonna run the wires. You can kind of you know, maybe tuck them inside the frame, run them down on the inside and keep everything exactly. nice and clean and routed. Um, one thing I look at is the speed controller placement to the fly barless placement where and then where I'm going to have where, the, you know, where the batteries plug in at. Because I feel like with most, hel- you know, with most helicopters now, the speed controller up near the front, fly barless system near the back. So you just got to make sure that you know, that huge long servo run, you kind of, that that's well thought out. And like you said, that the manufacturer planned on you putting the speed controller up front, the fly barless system in the back and gave you the necessary places to route all those wires from the front to the back of the heli. Yeah. I don't, I don't really care which and where it is. I just, it better be thought out, <laughs> you know? And I mean, I think of like, you remember back when the 700E, the T-Rex 700E mm-hmm. first came out, how the speed controllers mounted up high in the back, and it was like oh, that's right, 13-inch long leads to get down <laughs> to the batteries, and everyone was like cranking out like four volts of ripple voltage. Where was the, <laughs> where was the motor? I can't remember that exactly. The motor was yeah. right in front of the main shaft, but in this spot to where it was like, it was an act of God to get the the motor bullets plugged yeah, into the right. speed controller. Yeah. Dude, yep. it was a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. And and the yeah, everyone was blowing up speed controllers and that's when the that's when the castle thing came out and then it was all oh, you need cap packs and ripple voltage and oh and look <laughs> at this extent you know, people were like not trimming their battery wires yep. and making these massive Y harnesses and then not trimming the speed controller wire. And it was like a combined run of like three feet to get from three. your battery back to your... <laughs> I only have it was three ridiculous. Three feet of 14 gauge. That ought to work well. Yeah, so well, I'm a huge fan of the way that manufacturers have kind of gone now as far as as short of battery wires as possible. Mm-hmm. I like it neat, tidy. I don't like big loops and, you know, this and that. So that... That's actually a really big consideration for me too. Yeah, and just nothing like you said, keep it neat. It looks better and nothing's flopping around when you're flying if you do happen to fly without the canopy on cuz that always seems super distracting when you're up there flying and your battery leads are just slinging around everywhere cuz you don't have the canopy on so it's not hiding all that stuff in there. Yeah. So, um back to the battery thing, Dan, is it like a do you feel that being able to load and unload batteries without taking the canopy off is like the greatest thing in the world? Kind of cool or doesn't matter? I don't, I wouldn't say it doesn't matter. I would say it's kind of in between. It doesn't matter and it's kind of cool, but it's not, it's not, 
I mean, it's not a deal breaker. The thing that sucks about a canopy when you first get it is learning the procedure to get it on and off. You ever know? It's like yeah. after four or five flights, you've figured out where to hold it, how to hold it, yeah. how to make it go on and off real easy. In the case of a goblet, I would lean more towards 40 to 50 flights. 40. <laughs> I mean, to be fair. Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't really... The 500, I thought that was pretty damn easy to get on and off. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it is... Uh, like going back to that tech tip that I did, you know, how well does it fit? It, you know, I'll, some can't, if you get them in their way off, uh, they'll take a long time to break in. But if you can get in there right off the bat and do that tech tip and get it molded and fitted and, or the canopy just comes dead on fitted, yep. then it's not that big of a deal. I've always had to take canopies off. So I just, it's what I expect. I think it's a great concept to be able to load and unload batteries. But I also don't like that little smooge area of wires in the back when it's set up like that. I don't like that. It looks looks dirty. Yeah, it's but got all these. How many times have you been out at the field and, you know, you're you're packing up all your stuff at the end of the day and you're going, man. Only if I didn't have to take the canopy off in between flights to load my batteries, I would have got in so many more flights today. <laughs> I, I don't think I've said that ever leaving the field. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's 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 neat. It's different. It's all right, but it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It's not going to be the the factor that gives you, you know makes me in your next sale or not. You know, and the other reason why I. I I'm not so sold on it is that I like being it. You know, when you take the canopy off, it gives you an opportunity to look at everything. Bring that up. Yep. 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 Let things get some fresh air, cool down faster. Yep. Cool down and then just give you a chance to notice, oh crap, that wire's starting to rub or, you know, oh, this or that. Canopy, I feel like. My screws on the side of the frame are missing. (laughs) Yeah. I should do something about that. Canopy off in 300 flights. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I've done that before. Yes, we, we, yeah, we've heard about it. Yeah. Any, anything else on on electronics layout? You know, I Whenever I put a ton of consideration into the electronics layout after I get it home and realize I have to figure it out. I've never bought a helicopter yeah. based on on a little bit of pre-planning. No, never, never have. That's always one of those sticking points during the build is the you know the wiring making it all. I don't know. Clean. I just I guess I just kind of assumed, always assumed, you know, mistake sometimes to do that. But these guys that build these are flyers. Right, they fly helis. They have to use the same components I'm using. And so I guess I just take it for granted that perhaps they thought of those components when I bought it. You know what I mean? They're not using yeah, wireless servos. Right, wireless servos or, <laughs> you know, nuclear fission. Standards are a lot different too, though. What's I mean, that? Standards. You know, I've seen some of the pro stuff where they come out there, check this out, it's the new model, and you're like, Whoa. I don't know. Uh, you know, did you let your little sister wire that thing or what? Because it looks pretty horrible. 
So in addition to electronics layout, another thing, I don't know, this is something that I definitely look at. I read into a little bit, look at other people's setups, see what they got going. But the weight of the helicopter, you know, with, with this one, so I, I'm kind of to the point where if I want a super, super, super lightweight helicopter, I'm obviously going to get a nitro. End of story. I'm talking 700 class here. You're going to get a nitro. It's going to be light. It's going to be poppy. Uh, especially, you know, this has been my exact experience with the N7 with the 91SR 3DS in there. And realistically, I kind of, I know there's, you know, a little bit of differences in the weights, but with motors, speed controllers, all the power, and you can adjust the size of the packs. When it comes to buying a 700 class electric helicopter, me personally, I just don't look into the weight that much as being like the deciding factor, the selling point. Is that something you guys look at a lot? I've never done it. You kind of go by, you kind of get, through talking with other people, you kind of, you know, you get it a kind of a gauge like, oh, this is considered mm-hmm. a pretty light helicopter. You know what I mean? No one really shouts numbers at you, but I have a feeling that most of the time, you know, uh, based on what you've heard or read or had people, you know, talk to people about kind of what you're getting into when it comes to weight. Yeah, I do. It's a huge factor for me. Mm-hmm. And I've <laughs> I do the opposite that you do, Jesse. If I want a light helicopter, I focus on building a light 700 class electric. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what I go for. And to me, I I pick a nitro. I pick a nitro more based, uh, not particularly on weight, but just more so on design and how longevity, you know. Mm-hmm. Nitro maintenance is not a fun thing. And I go back to the... God, dude, putting clutches, clutch liners in the T-Rexes, throwing clutch shoes, putting it all back together, oh, yeah. you know, that is such crap. And I, that's, that's what I, I despise the most about Nitro is, it's not the normal maintenance. It's the stuff just blowing up just because, you know, starter shaft and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So when I go after Nitro, weight is not a. I mean, I'm not going to buy one that's going to be 14 pounds, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't start picking them out, but I get very into my weights on the electrics. Yeah. Because it kind of, and, you know, maybe I guess we can tie this into another thing, but um, it, to me, it's very dependent on what the model can run for blade length. You know, I I don't mind. I want to know what weight it is because if it's going to be a 13-pound electric, okay, that's cool. But then I personally want the option to run it on 710s. Yep. If that model can't, okay, then now we've got a problem in Nick's world. Yeah, but what about just, I don't know, at least in my mind I go, okay, well, maybe I'll run 4,800 milliamp packs or even, I guess, maybe a little bit smaller. Do you ever compensate for weight with battery size? Or, no. I mean, because you, you can look I at don't. other electronics too. You know, some servos are lighter than others. Speed can. Oh, the now Castle that one, I definitely do. The Castle 120 yeah, is a super light speed controller in comparison to others in that class. And that's why I run them. I mean, that is absolutely why I run them. 
you know, and that I, so yes, I definitely, I always keep, stay weight conscious with my components. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here with 4525s and 4526 motors in mine. Everyone's going, oh, the 4530 series run cooler and I'll check out this new X Nova, you know, right? And I'm going, yeah, but it's 50 grams more. <laughs> yeah. Because honestly, uh, with heavy components, you can absolutely make a light airframe a tank. Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, the difference between speed, uh, two different speed controllers and motors mm-hmm. is easily half a pound. Yeah, I remember. I mean, you can add half a pound. Yeah, the the most, I don't know, the only experience I guess I've had with this where I remember it very, very clearly. I remember the flight, the flight characteristics very clearly was going from, this is both with a Contronic, but just going from the Scorpion 4525, 520 up to the KDE motor. Mm-hmm. And I just remember how much heavier that motor was, even though, oh, more power, more torque, all these things that come with the bigger motor and the more weight but just remembering that the flight characteristics of it and having to bump the head speed up and losing the flight time and all those things it it can absolutely change an airframe yeah now i do feel that there's you know there are aspects of weight and this is something that if you would have rewound a year ago or you know six eight months ago i would have told myself no way but it's weird how anything you fly feels weird when it's not what you fly Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you try something right off the bat and it's a shock like you go to fly a heli you know a, a heli that's a pound lighter and it's like oh my god no this thing's all over the place no way i i like it i like that pound more helps it kind of sit in the pocket a little bit more down on the deck Dude, you fly that other helicopter for a month, put 50 flights on it, and that now is what feels right. Yep. All of a sudden, you. that's what you're going for. Do you, you know, that's that's your baseline now. <laughs> yeah, and I, I never would have said that before. But, yeah, I did. I went from an 11.2-pound E700 to minor sitting at like 12.2, round in there. So, pound heavier. Um I'm, I run more head speed now than I have before because it's just what makes these particular models fly the best. I do don't notice it at all. Absolutely love the way that they fly. So I went up in weight, down on blade length because I run 690s, yeah. up in head speed, completely different than what it was eight months ago. But to me, it's kind of, it's more of like, it's consistency, and does it not have any negative tendencies when I start hammering on the sticks? And as long as it doesn't have any negative tendencies, then I, I kind of believe you're just going to get used to it. So, you know, but I, I like the options. Yeah, I would say the my only comment to that would be you can get used to flying something that flies like crap, too, <laughs> where that just becomes normal. Yeah, well. but see, to me, it's the it's the negative. Does it bobble or wobble? Can I get mm-hmm. any of? The, can I get all yeah. the bobbles out of it? If I can get all the bottle bobbles out of it, then I'm good to go. You know, uh, within yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. Now that's an uh, there's another thing. You know, okay, with uh, 
going to the three blade. You don't really think about it or realize that thing is not light. I mean, there is a lot of metal up in that head. <laughs> and you add more metal in the tail, too, with the, going to yeah. the extra blade there. And then you're, it's like, okay, well, I better get the motor mount that's cool, you know, that's cooling. And then I better make sure and run a bigger speed controller. It is super easy to get that model a half to three quarters of a pound heavier than the two pound, than the two blade equivalent. So, you know, again, yes. So to, to answer the original question, I absolutely take weight into consideration when I'm planning everything out. Is that the deciding factor though? A deciding factor? It, it it is definitely a deciding okay. factor. It, it gets yeah. a, it gets its own box. <laughs> yeah, like for me, that is why I could never and and this is okay for fact. This is being genuinely true. That is the sole reason why I personally would never own a Logo Seven Hundred. Mm-hmm. It's just too heavy for me. Well, we kind of already hit on the the next one which was the length of the blades and just do they give you the option you know 690 to 710 seems to be fairly common what about if you want to jump up to the 750 class are they going to give you either tail boom options to run up to 800 are they going to limit you to 750 and then you know how that all plays into the weight so any anything else on that i feel like we've already kind of touched on that one um I personally think that it's a cool added bonus, but it's not a, it's not a deciding factor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I'm not going to buy and or not buy something because of that. Now, you know, okay. In my case, is it is it cool that if I get a wild hair up my butt, I can you know I can convert a 700 to a 770 really easily? Yeah, but it's not. It wouldn't be any reason on why yeah. I could buy it, but. There hasn't been a lot of models uh, that have done it super easy, mm-hmm. have made it seamless. That might be, you know, changing with like the 766. Yep. But that we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to see the parts compatibility and what that whole yeah transit, what that whole Shopping online for heli parts. Two most important considerations we look for are selection and customer service. LowerHeli.com not only has the selection you need to get your helis back in the air, Ken also prides himself on having the best customer service in the business. I recently made a purchase with Ken at LowerHeli.com was anxiously awaiting the arrival of some new heli tools. When it didn't show up, I gave Ken a call without hesitation he was willing to send me another package, even though the tracking confirmed delivery. I told Ken to hold off for a day or two, and sure enough, the post office found my package and got it to me. This just goes to show LowerHeli.com is willing to go the extra mile for you. If you want great selection and excellent customer service, www.LowerHeli.com. That's where you'll find it. So the next thing that I got is gearing options that fit your component. So kind of what I'm thinking about with this one is for me anyways, I'm 
you know, I'm transplanting stuff into a new airframe. I'm not buying a new airframe and then purchase everything, purchasing everything for that airframe specifically starting from the ground up. So just kind of doing a quick check, looking around, seeing what other people are using in the airframe, making sure that there's pinions available for the KV motor that I'm looking at running um, and that sort of thing. I mean, does that, I don't, anymore, does that, is that really a concern in your guys' minds, making sure that they have the right pinions and gearing available when you're buying a new helicopter? It's not really a concern for me because typically the head speeds I run, there's pinions available to make that happen. Yeah. For me it is. Oh, yeah. Because I love to tweak, and that's a that's a huge one. And that's one of those that I didn't realize I loved. I didn't realize that I loved it as much as I did until I had what I believe is probably the most tweakable heli on there, you know, out in the market right now. I mean, SAB's got more pinions than it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. 19 up to 24, 25, or 18, I think, up to 25 or something. Mm -hmm. And then with the different tail, I... Did I ever need that before? You know, no, not really. But then I say that, swapping the two-blade back to the three-blade, I don't switch KV on motors. I just switch pinions. You know, so I can actually go back to a three-blade and do it efficiently and optimally. Um, Yeah, I feel like that that might be a little bit of a rare, rare error. It is, uh, case, it is so. rare. It's definitely rare. But it's nice to be able to, you know, I think it's, I think it's nice to be able to go from like a 450 to a 530 KV range in, mm-hmm. in the 700 class. Yep. I, I believe that you should be able to get any pinion to be able to run the head speed that you want to run, you know, um, with that KV range and motor. And, and it does come in, like going back to the 700. Uh, it did kind of stink for people. Oh yeah, I want to get one. Oh crud, I got to. I mean, not so much gearing, but motor size. Yeah, you know, you were you were limited on motor size. Luckily, there were some motors out there that worked very well in there uh, that were relatively inexpensive, so it wasn't a huge deal. But yeah, um, yeah, I I want versatility. I want to be able to know that any motor that I get, well, you know that I want to run, yeah. I can run. And even height-wise, too, like uh, even the Goblin, you know, it stinks on some of these motors. You got to start cutting a big hole in the top of your canopy. Yeah, too tall. You know? Yeah, what about the other thing to consider is with the tail ratio. I mean, you know, we all like flying low head speeds sometimes. It's great to practice on. Is that something, you know, not only the gearing for pinions for the head, but what about looking at the back of the heli and thinking about the tail and are you going to have the ability to do, you know, as hard as you can 3D at a really low head speed and maintain that tail authority and be able to tune the flybarless system uh, basically to be happy at that head speed. It's a must. Yeah. It's a must for me. Uh, depending, well... Depending on what gear ratio the heli ships with, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a 
really poor gear ratio to begin with, like at 4.3 to 1, you know, like the Blade and the the E700, um, then it's, yeah, it is crucial. You know, I don't want to have to start, you know, I don't want to be pushing 115s to their limit flying it at 2050 rpm yeah <laughs> i don't i don't i don't want to do that so it's nice to and it man let me tell you it's a huge difference it's a big confidence difference to be able to say okay i'm gonna set up not only now am i gonna see i set it up now for me i i tuned my tail exactly like i tuned my gearing for the head i picked mm-hmm. my maximum head speed I know the, you know, I want to get my motor up at the, say, you know, might uh, give my governor 10, 15% headroom, just depending on speed controller. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm right there doing the same exact thing for the tail, too. Happy at that head speed. It's a must. Yeah. It's a must for me. Uh, depending, well... Depending on what gear ratio the heli ships with. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a really poor gear ratio to begin with, like at 4.3 to 1, yeah. you know, like the Blade and the and the E700, um, then it's, yeah, it is crucial. You know, I don't want to have to start, you know, I don't want to be pushing 115s to their limit flying it at 2050 rpm yeah <laughs> i don't i don't i don't want to do that so it's nice to and it man let me tell you it's a huge difference it's a big confidence difference to be able to say okay i'm gonna set up not only now am i gonna see i set it up now for me i i tuned my tail exactly like i tuned my gearing for the head I pick mm-hmm. my maximum head speed. I know the, you know, I want to get my motor up at the, say, you know, might uh, give my governor 10, 15% headroom, just depending on speed controller. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm right there doing the same exact thing for the tail, too. Like, okay, well, I like this, you know, I'm I'm shooting for this tail RPM because that on these particular blades makes a really easily easy to tune tail you know it's got uh, good stop characteristics to it and it holds well and so now i can take that same that same heli that i was hammering on at 2100 and i can put it down at 1700 and really the only thing that's gonna keep me from you know not beating it as hard as i can is the way that the the collective reacts. My cyclic's going to have the same speed. My tail's going to hold just as good. But, you know, the collective's going to be a little bit soggier. So, it is important for me, definitely. So, besides gearing, another thing, and this, honestly, guys, this is one thing that I have to put right up there at the top of that list for things I consider especially given my my history with helicopters i i tend to hang on to them for quite a while fly them for quite a while you know <laughs> decades <laughs> decades oh man <laughs> ouch no I, I one thing you got to look at is the parts availability 
and the company at which you're buying the helicopter from and maybe taking a good hard look at what their future looks like in the hobby because nobody wants to get in that situation where you're having an absolute blast flying the helicopter out there every single weekend out at the field just beating the thing up but it always seems to be on your bench in pieces because there's just no parts availability they just aren't in stock you can't find them and you know especially when you need the parts they just aren't there so it, it sucks to have a helicopter that you thoroughly enjoy flying sitting on the bench because you can't get parts so that was something personally i had to put extremely high on my list i should too but i never do <laughs> you should <laughs> uh except for when i was flying the alliance almost every that was safe every yeah that was a pretty safe bet back then but even that's changing right uh, but no, I typically like, for example, the Forza, I mean, I knew the company's going to be around, right. That That's not an issue, but mm-hmm. what I, what I didn't take into consideration until after the helicopter was already in my possession was it's not so much parts availability, right? It's parts pricing. Oh my God. They are proud of some of those <laughs> those parts, and uh, typically, I you know I I've done that many times with the Kasama. That was all about availability and pricing. Um, but yeah, I don't. You know, I just I kind of impulse it. I shouldn't do that, but it's like I want it, so I'm going to get it, and I'll deal with the consequences later. And that maybe not getting Your parts wallet. for six months or paying twice the price of a that you would pay for a main shaft. On some other brand or a boom. Yeah. But I think a lot of people fall into that trap. Dan, have, have you ever gone through, I know one thing that I've done before I've purchased helicopters is literally take your stock standard crash, all your, all your uh, throwaway parts in a crash and go and price it out and see what it would actually cost to fix that helicopter for that crash. Are you asking me if I've ever done that? Yeah, I'm, I'm asking you if you've ever done that. I did that with the Forza after it was in my hands. After or before? Yeah, after, <laughs> yeah, after I crashed it. <laughs> have I done that? I can honestly I say bet I you'll have do not it ever done every that. time now. I mean, you, you, I would be willing to think that you, after getting bit on something well, that was quite expensive you would, to crash. You would think no? that. But I <laughs> let's go back and take a look at the history of some of the helicopters that I bought. The Kasama, it's beautiful work of art. Con, you know, completely over-engineered, unnecessary engineering and a lot of components in that look great. Uh, I waited six months for landing gear struts, Ooh. and they were really expensive. All right, so that was my first taste of that. But then let's go to the Gowie X5. And everyone always said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Dan. Everyone always agreed with me or disagreed with me. I, what do you mean that was an exp- that's thing, an expensive little heli to crash? Well, I guess if you do you know, a little, a little bump or something, maybe tip over on landing or takeoff. But when you put that heli in hard, like I did, I was going through the parts list. And I quit at $385. And I 
hadn't even got half the parts I needed. So no, I didn't check for that one either. <laughs> and then the latest one, which, you know, the Forza, I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, it's not like it's crazy outrageously expensive, but some of their components are pretty damn expensive in comparison. Battery trays, a carbon fiber battery tray for like 29 bucks. Or was it 39? 29, I can't remember. Yeah. Somewhere in there. High, nonetheless. So, you would think that I might start doing that, but history has been repeating itself. <laughs> so, there's no reason to assume it'll change. <laughs> Keeps going. So, then, you know, while you're looking at the, I don't know, the entire company thinking, okay, are they going to be around in two years? Am I going to be able to get parts? Another thing that I look at is, do they have other helicopters that I would potentially want to fly? Other, you know, maybe electric versus nitro, and then other class of helicopters. And then do those helis share parts? Because I got to tell you, when I had the Compass, the 6HV, and the Kronos, so the, the newer 6HV, they shared a lot of parts in between those two helicopters and it was really nice to know okay i order this one part i'm going to be able to keep it in stock you know when i go to the different fun flies and no matter which helicopter i crash i'm going to be able to have that part to put on there so at least for me in my opinion the more parts that they share the better because that's the you know that will mean i have to keep less parts in stock when i go to fun flies and you know there's probably not going to be a vendor there that that carries that exact part. So just keeping you know, lower parts prices out of pocket and less parts in stock seems to be a, a win-win for me. Yeah, I I agree with that completely. Um, I, I don't follow it. <laughs> I did. I used to. And as I mentioned, the Align days, the 700 Nitro days, those were the only two helis. I had other oh, helis, yeah. but those were the only two helis I was flying. And that meant yep. buying parts for one heli. And it really made for some fun times. Because if one went down, I had another one set up exactly like it. And I didn't have to buy parts for two different helis. And I always had parts. And it was great. Yeah, and I mean, for a line, it's it's really simple. I mean, you kind of got around it by buying two of the... Because those were the exact same helicopters, yeah. both nitros. But even the Align Electric to the Align Nitro um, seemed like there, there was is. lots of stuff that yeah. was interchangeable yeah. there as well. So, you know, that was definitely something I looked at for Compass. And as of in the near future, it looks like I'm going to have a pair of synergies. So that was definitely something that I considered um, there. And e even simple stuff like bearing sizes and bearings can add up quick if you're trying to keep on hand a set of bearings for nearly an entire helicopter just having those things be universal and shared between the models seems to be a huge plus for me and i've just found it cuts down on parts prices yeah. i think that's a good way to do it yeah now this this brings me to probably you know all that other stuff doesn't mean doesn't mean yeah, anything who, all that other who stuff. cares i mean honestly when it comes to all that other mumbo jumbo, it doesn't even matter. We could just put yeah, all this that is behind like, us. But this is like the ninety-five percent of the weight of the decision. Oh, or, or or more, more. even that, maybe that would be, that would be talking about it lightly. Yeah, ninety-seven. 
the looks of the helicopter and the canopy. Indeed. Yes. How many times have you bought a helicopter because you're like, that thing's sexy? I've done it. I've done it. <laughs> how'd it. How'd it work out? Didn't work out so well. I mean, not all the time. Sometimes it has. But I'm guilty of it. Uh, you know, <laughs> you see, you know, the aesthetically pleasing design and canopy goes a long way. You will forgive a lot of potential flaws <laughs> for a good looking helicopter. Am I right? Yeah, but the tail doesn't hold. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Care. Looks, looks good. Looks, looks good. No, great. no, no, no. <laughs> looks no, good. No, I don't. I don't buy into this at all. I'm so past that. Whatever, Goblin fanboy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, because well, you hey. definitely picked those on looks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. So you're, no, no, you're right. You're, <laughs> fair enough. No, I'm, no I'm, I'm serious, though. I, I don't. It's not on looks. It's on all of the other things that are the most important and, uh, I mean, looks obviously plays into it. You know, but you're, you're kind of sidestepping it, really. You really are. Because let's go back. Let's go back before all the goblins were in your fleet. There was something about that design that intrigued you. Had to have been. Or you would have never bought one. Yeah, because it was mechanically completely different than anything else. And that, that was interesting. And, okay, but on the looks part of it, this actually proves my point. I, I don't believe you. Still, I still do not like. Don't believe you. Uh, they're just. I love the way a pod and boom heli looks. I do. I love the look of a pod. Dude, and boom you heli. sit there in your trailer, but, look at the wall, and you just stare at your goblins, and you go, oh, "There's some nice looking helis." Damn. <laughs> no, hey, I absolutely do because I love them. But I love them because it's the whole package deal. I love them because I plug them in and and they just fly and they don't give me problems and I can get parts everywhere and for all the other reasons that we've talked about. But if they did not have the the quality or the consistency or the reliability or all those other features, no way, dude. No way. I've done that before. I've got a heli just on looks and it bit me in the ass. So, no. It's got to be the package deal for me. No compromises I, there. Oh, so it's got to it, got to give you the happy ending. The, yep. <laughs> now the the last thing that you said there, it's got to be the package deal. I think that is something I can definitely agree with because, sure, the looks are important. I mean, it's I would say kind of what you know, catches your eye when you're <clears throat> browsing through new helicopters, looking at all the canopy designs, color schemes. And whatnot, but it can't fly and be so horrible that it outweighs that. So there definitely is something to the package component. Another thing is the stock canopy and the stock canopy colors. It I know Nick and I we've we've had this conversation. It's really nice to be able to fly and enjoy and and it looks good the stock canopy and not having to order third party canopies all the stinking time to keep your helicopter looking how you want it. When you say looking how you want it, do you mean has the colors that is good for your eye? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Or or however. I mean, maybe it's 
you need a, a certain level of bling-tastic to the canopy for you to be happy with it. Can you get that out of the factory one, or do you have to go? I mean, are you committing yourself to forever buying aftermarket canopies? With Is that really why you guys buy aftermarket? It's not because you just don't want your heli to have the same skin as every other you know, branded heli that you at the other fun flies? I no, typically buy it because I like the other canopy. I don't believe you guys. I know, dude. No, so, no, I don't care because guess what? Okay, I fly one of the most popular brands out there. Doesn't matter what I do to it; it's still going to look like a lot of the rest. But I don't like to. I like to be able to go out and drive it in the next weekend and not have to wait six to eight weeks yep. to order another custom painted boomer canopy for it. Dan, I challenge your position that you look at the looks of the canopy as well, and you don't just buy it because you want to, you know, you want your helicopter to be unique. Because you could take a blank white canopy and put black polka dots on it, wouldn't look like anyone else's heli. But I don't see you doing but I that. Can't, I can't see black. With all the time and money you put into your hobby, the last thing you want to do is throw away your flight experience on bad blades. From the feel of the heli in the air to its appearance on the ground, which blades you choose to bolt on is one of the most important decisions you have to make. That's why you need to put those old and busted blades to the side and make the switch to some new hotness. Brought to you by Burt Kammerer of BK Designs, Switch rotor blades are sure to put the finishing touches on your heli. Whether you're into sport flying, hard 3D, or F3C, Switch rotor blades will get the job done on everything from a 250 to an 800 class heli. And we're not just talking about main blades here. Switch has tail blades and night blades too. So stop wasting your time not flying the last brand of blades you'll ever need and make the switch today www.switchrotorblades.com Well, I think that's, I mean, that pretty much goes down my list of what I've been going through the last week trying to sort through this madness of all the helis that are out there on the market and kind of coming to a final decision when you look at the entire package and Put a couple of them head to head, and I think the. Uh, Do you have the same process list? for everything you buy? I mean, is it this in depth? Oh, Almost everything I buy does come down to a list at some point. Wow. Besides, like a going to the grocery store and months of research and 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 think it out, and then and then you know Wait for the deal call everyone and talk about it and then bounce around and then then call other people and yeah so like that's he a drags bad his thing. whole fa- you drag your whole family into a decision and friends is that a, is that a bad thing no no not at all <laughs> it didn't sound like you're that. talking to the guy who buys like 95 percent of everything on impulse and has to rebuy three yeah, but, three times over till i find exactly what i want the guy so, who buys no. something 10 seconds after he realizes he thinks he wants it yeah that's, a, that's fun that's right it is fun it's exciting that's going circles the only time i do this fun. much research is when i'm buying something that's completely out of the usual that I probably will never buy again. Not familiar with. 
Yeah. I mean, helicopter, if I see a helicopter that I like, if I got the money laying around and I'm so inclined, I'll just buy it. Fuck it. Pay for it later. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then I'll end up with a helicopter that, you know, has very expensive replacement parts. Yeah. <laughs> Again. 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 <laughs> I have, a, I have a, I actually, I've come up with a solution for that. So if I buy a helicopter that does have very expensive replacement parts, my plan is to just keep it on the shelf and fly out something else. It seems to be working. I'm not spending much money on replacement parts. Yeah. Because they're all on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. Solid. I think we should wrap this one up, guys. What do you think? Let's do it. Yeah, I think let's, so. Let's uh, run through some emails real quick. Nick, why don't you go ahead and give us your email? Uh, if you had any questions for me, you could get a hold of me at nick at rchellynation.com. How about you, Justin? Just Jesse? Justin? Oh, man. <laughs> it's habit. Man. you got to admit, it's habit. <laughs> it is habit. It is How habit. about you, you Jesse? Could, you could send me an email to jesse at rchellynation.com. Or catch me on Facebook. If you want to get a hold of Justin, Justin at rcalienation.com. I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan at rcalienation.com. Ken, if you've got a store question, he can be reached at ken at rcalienation.com. Store, citizen card, event, all that good jazz. Uh, we hope our friends at Urcha had a good time. Most of you will be on the way home when this show comes out. So we hope it was eventful. I, I saw you guys got a little bit of rain there, but it doesn't look like it held you guys back very long. I uh, wish we were there, but uh, that's just the way it rolls. Uh, Facebook. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, appreciate your support there. Also on our webpage, you can chat with other heli guys if you'd like to on our front page. And, of course, we are indebted to our listeners that are posting on the Funny Finder thread on the Heli, on the heli Freak forum. Invaluable resource. You guys have been fantastic. At helping us get together, yes. get these clips together. We will uh, look forward to a fantastic episode 200. Alrighty, guys, this has been episode 198. Two more to go to the big 200. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. We'll see you on Monday. Happy flying, everyone. Later, guys. Talk to you next week. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Rev Electrics USA, Lower Heli, BK Servos, and Spartan Flybarless Systems. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to send us an email. <laughs>